Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of the ISI Life podcast. Today, we're talking money. We're talking about the finance component of the ISI wheel. And Sanjay gives us an amazing discussion about how we can live a faith-filled financial life. Sanjay was a recent speaker at one of our retreats, and today we get a chance to sit down and kind of just digest his his talk here in a podcast format. We talk about setting goals, creating a spending plan, managing debt, and saving investing, and how we can do each of these from a faith-filled perspective. And there's some amazing practical tips that we've learned. Sanjay's just an amazing guy outside of what he offers uh, to us from a finance perspective. Growing up, um, the youngest of four in a broken home, uh, going on to play college football, getting a chance to play with multiple teams in the NFL, a starter with the Green Bay uh, Packers, the 49ers. Just an amazing story about how he was doing what he was doing at a very high level, but also thinking about the future and working Tuesdays at um, the at a financial advisory firm um, after Sunday's playing on the field. Just an amazing story, an amazing guy. Lucky to know him as a friend. And I think you all will enjoy the conversation. So until next time, stay sharp, everybody. All right. Well, Sanjay, it is great being with you. Um, thanks again. Thank you so much for speaking at our most recent retreat. And thanks for being on the podcast today. No, happy to be here. Look forward to it. I've enjoyed getting to know you ever uh, since the days you would, would beat up on me at the golf course <laughs> and um, <laughs> full circle till today uh, talking about ISI. So thanks for uh, being a friend along the journey. No, absolutely. And, you know, like, you know, I'm always open for mulligans. So just, uh, just let me have them. <laughs> well, hey, that's what the uh, Christian faith is all about, right? <laughs> that's exactly right. <laughs> well, so... You know, for those of us that don't, you know, know you super well, like I've got a chance to walk around a golf course a couple of times with you. I know, I know about you and kind of your background, but, um, for, for those listening today, can you give us a little bit of your background and history and kind of bring us up to, you know, what you're up to today? Yeah, happy to. So just, you know, where I stand today is, you know, I have a, a wife will be 32 years in about a week and a half or so, February 4th. I've got four kids. Uh, my daughter's the oldest and then three boys behind her. Uh, I'm a, a financial advisor as well as the resident director or manager of the Merrill Lynch office here in uh, Westlake, uh, Ohio. And um, and uh, go to Hope Christian Church here on, in Avon. I live in Westlake. Um, and we've been here in uh, Ohio for about 14, 15 years, almost 15 years now. Came from Colorado and um, uh, about 15 years ago. So that's kind of the, the, the basic profile. That is awesome. And, you know, today, you know, your role with Merrill Lynch and, you know, managing money and doing it from a faith perspective is what we'll, what we'll jump into. And, okay. um, you know, that's what you and or have the honor of doing. I think what's really cool that you're doing it with your son and your daughter at this point, but, um, you know, even just give us a little glimpse before, uh, Merrill Lynch and kind of what you're up to. And I think it's interesting to, to make such a difference in your career swap. Sure. Yeah, and, and and I think it's you know it's relevant obviously from our conversations. It's more than uh, you know the business side of the equation. It's where we you know are the eternal side of the equation, and that's our common faith in Christ. And and you know uh, my uh, my introduction to Christ was when I was 17 years old, where I accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, and and you know that came from you know uh, my mother kind of sickening a youth pastor on myself and my I'm the youngest of four. Uh, my older brothers and and the youth pastor through you know the, some faithfulness 
came to a, uh, a part of town that he probably wasn't excited about coming to and, uh, <laughs> and, came, in and came in and shared. I laugh because I can still remember his face, you know, when I came to the door and I didn't want to have anything to do with him, nor did, uh, and I was wondering if he was going to run for his car or come in. So he thankfully came in and, uh, and shared, uh, shared the gospel. And, and in doing that, uh, a lot was going on in our family. My dad was not in the, he was not living in the home. Uh, my mom had reached out to Christ cause they're having problems in their marriage and my brother, uh, two brothers uh, that were older than me, the three were older than me, but two had a disease called lupus. Um, the one, the my second to the oldest brother's name was Joss. He had uh, been at the Air Force Academy, played a year of football there at the Air Force Academy. He was home for winter break. That's when he was diagnosed with it. It actually hit him pretty hard because my other brother that had it, he was sort of living with it and being medicated, and they actually didn't even diagnose it at that time. Long story short, he was in the room uh, when this youth pastor came over. Um, my brother that originally had it, he was at the University of Arizona at the time, and then it was myself and my oldest brother. So we all knelt and accepted Christ, and you know, no, no rockets went off or anything at that point, but it made sense, and it was something we never really knew much about. Uh, turns out the next day, my brother passed away and that really launched me on a dated, uh, on a daily mission to see how God goofed things up because it didn't make sense to me that, you know, a guy that was doing so he did every, he, he, he got his private pilot's license on his own. He got an appointment to the Air Force Academy, played football at the Air Force Academy, and he was just a generally great guy, my brother, Joss, and then here the Lord took him at age 19. So fast forward, another, my oldest brother who knelt the same time, he went a completely different direction. I opened the Bible to look for answers. He looked, he opened the world and went in a completely bad direction. Um, that other brother of mine that had lupus that was not in the room at the time, he was still living with it. Once we fast forward, I was, I ended up get I get through high school. I got a scholarship to Colorado state university, which was a dream. So I was able to go play football and get a free education. Um, and then as I made it through Colorado state, I was able to have some success there, uh, but did not get drafted in the NFL, but got a free agent contract in the NFL. Um, went to Dallas was the first place. I mentioned that because a guy named Tom Landry was there who was, a uh, very famous football coach, but little did I know, little did I know, was a believer. And and when I, I got hurt in camp, I was doing good. But he and he sat me down. They were going to cut me, but he sat there and he poured into me and he said, "Listen, if you're not doing anything for the next couple of years, you should keep trying to play this game." And huh. and I and I was a little surprised that he was as nice as he was and he was as encouraging as he was. And I didn't know if that was normal or not, but I did hang with it. The next year, I go into Jets, the New York Jets training camp, uh, doing well. But during that camp, my brother, Law, who was the one that was still living, but he had lupus, he passed away. So wow. my by that time, I had been looking to the Lord. And by that time, I was getting close to uh, getting married to my wife. So my first reflex was to go back to God because when my first brother passed away about a few months after reading the Bible, he took me to first John 
uh, 5, 5, and it says, Who is it that overcomes the world? Only he that believes that Jesus is the Son of God. And it made me realize that brother of mine that was at the Air Force Academy, had his private pilot's license, um, it wasn't those things that had him overcome the world. It was the fact that he made a decision for Christ literally the day before he passed away. So when I look at my second brother that passed away, I realized he made a decision for Christ because he came and and hung out in Denver with me after I got released from the Dallas training camp. And we hung out and lived around each other. We went to, I invited him to church. He accepted Christ. And as I said, fast forward, I went to the New York Jets training camp. When he passed away there, I knew right where he was at. So that's kind of a and then getting married and, and, and going from there. But the Lord led me. Uh, once I got to, I got a chance. I made the team with the Jets, had a, a good season there. And then the coach got fired, ended up going from there to San Francisco 49ers, who had just went, finished winning the Super Bowl for the second time in a row. But I was able to make the team there, played there for two years. And when I was there, I was always looking over my shoulder. So I, as far as what I was going to do for a career, I got to be friends with Steve Young, who had finished law school at Brigham Young in the offseason because Joe Montana was wow. starting. So I said, well, maybe I'll, maybe I'll do that. Maybe I'll go to law school. So I took the LSAT and I got accepted to the University of San Francisco and I was going to go to law school. Well, you know, and then so that I had something to fall back on when football was done. Um, but right around that time, Coach, our offensive coordinator, Mike Holmgren, got the job at Green Bay. So he I had an opportunity to go there and sign as a free agent. And I ended up being a starter there for the next couple of years and realized a lot of football dreams. and. But I couldn't go to law school because there was no law schools nearby. Um, so I had been reading books on investments just so I could make a good decision on who I could hire to help me and kind of got the got the buck. So instead of just, you know, settling in on that, I decided to take an internship in 1992 uh, at a firm called Sherson Lehman Brothers, which ended up becoming Smith Barney, which ended up becoming uh, Morgan Stanley years later. Um, but that, I realized, hey, this is a pretty neat thing I could do when, when, when football is done. So 26 years later, that's kind of where I find myself. There you go, man. What an amazing, amazing journey. Uh, <laughs> get up to that point and, you know, thank God for your, your, your mom, you know, having the intuition to bring, bring that pastor into, you know, Hey, you need to get through to my boys here. And you know, that, that mother's intuition, um, man. God bless her. That's, that's so amazing to hear that story and how encouraging that is. Yeah. And, you know, at the time, at the time, of course, like any, you know, young, young guy, you don't want to hear, you think you got the answers and everything. And, and I think a lot of it, like iron sharpening iron, you know, with, with us, when we, when we get that uh, introduction to the way, you know, and the truth and the life mm -hmm. and, uh, that, that need to share it because it does, cause the scales to fall away. We see how the scales have fallen away from some of our eyes. So that encouragement, you know, uh, to, to share that with others, even if they don't want to hear it at the time, because sometimes it takes a while. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And we'll, and we'll jump into, uh, you know, finance and how our faith can inspire our finance here in a second. But do you remember, you know, just talking about that pastor, do you remember what it was that opened your eyes to it? You know, you mentioned being kind of 
closed off to it or, you know, not wanting to hear it. Do you, do you remember or recall anything about him or what he said that I do. kind of perked your interest? Yeah. I remember his name was Mitch. I remember he had the little four spiritual laws, little booklet, you know, <laughs> and he kind of went and he showed the, the uh, he showed, he said, Hey, here's um, God, here's you. And then there's this chasm in between and there's no bridge. And he said, Jesus is the bridge. You know, so I didn't really doubt that there was a higher power. I just didn't know all the details. And when he, that sort of just really stuck out to me that, you know, I, I was never a doubt that I didn't, that I had, there was a need and I knew I couldn't get myself. And we, I knew from not having a happy family situation that there was no magic bullet. And when I saw that, they just all kind of clicked for me. So that was that bridge, that, 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 that analogy of Christ being yeah. the bridge made a lot of sense to me. So that's, I appreciate the question. It. No, it's great. I mean, I know exactly, you know, I've, I've had that bridge drawn for me. You know, I remember I was at Buca de Beppo meeting with um, my, you know, Paul and, and uh, he just kind of drew that up for me and, and I'm a visual person. I, and I've used that ever since. So that, from Mitch to, <laughs> full circle right, right, yeah that's right. awesome that's cool. um all right well switching gears is a little bit one of the uh so isi you know we have we have um our, our big five which are you know faith faculty family finance and fitness and really just the the core of what we're trying to do is these these are the, what we've kind of determined as you know the big five areas that um we are kind of always wrestling with, uh, always trying to succeed in. And really the difference that we're trying to do is say, instead of handling them all as separate compartments of your life, how can faith be at the center of what you're doing and impact those decisions in the other four, as well as you growing in your faith at the center. So, you know, we're going to talk about uh, finance today and, you know, new year, a lot, lots on people's mind with money and what to do. So I think this is a perfect, you know, time to have this conversation and, and talk about, um, how we can have a faith-filled financial life, like you mentioned in your presentation. So, um, you know, you, you mentioned, you know, four pillars of a faith-filled financial healthy um, way of being. So maybe talk, talk us through, you know, what are the four pillars? And then maybe we'll dive into each one for a little bit and, and give each people uh, a glimpse as to what, you know, a little bit about what they are. Yeah. Uh, you know, the couple that I throw out there, you know, would be just, um, you know, when you look at, uh, um, you know, setting goals, you know, uh, kind of creating a spending plan, you know, managing debt and, uh, you know, investing towards your goals, really having a, a bit of a target. And, um, you know, along with that, and then there's some details, you know, in between there. But I think those are really the keys of just thinking about your situation as a bit of a balance sheet kind of a scenario. But then, you know, but you don't have to extract your values and your, you know, from your investment portfolio. And what I mean by that is, you know, I mean, even, you know, the Bible says, whatever you do, do it all to, to the glory of the Lord. So I think that can always be a bit of a filter or a screen of, you know, maybe even purchases, because we know that um, this is a, you know, we have a world where, especially here in this country, that there's a lot always dangled out in front of us, and we lose track of, whether it's a need or a want, and we play and we dance on that. Obviously, whether through now it's even ramped up even more. It used to just be television commercials. Now it's online and it's constant pings of hey, you know, look at me. Maybe you should get this to make you happier. And and you know, the question is, is 
where do we find our peace? Where do we find our joy? And is it, if it's at, outside of Christ, we need to maybe check ourselves a little bit. And, and I think finance does come into that to a certain extent. No, absolutely. And yeah, you, um, you referenced a few, you know, verses around, around goal setting being like the first pillar. Um, and, you know, I think about that a lot, you know, from goal setting, is this a, is this a God given goal or, you know, right. if, if this is accomplished, what, is, what does it mean? Is this, you know, is this for me? Like, why is this goal important? Um, what is it when you're, when you're working with clients or just even yourself personally, or as you're kind of coaching up your kids, is there kind of, coming into their adult life. What does it look like to you when you're setting down, you know, setting goals from a faith perspective? Right. Um, and, and the interesting part, I mean, I'm a, I'm a CFP and, and part of the certified financial planning, you know, uh, focus is to just kind of do the job. You put down the goals and then essentially it turns into a math equation. You know, are you going to be, if you save this amount, are you going to be able to achieve that amount based on inflation, based on the other inputs and the expected returns? But I think as you insert faith into that, I think what you do is you kind of run your goals through the, uh, I mean, because then you always have to have a healthy uh, balance of kind of not squeezing too tightly at the things of the world because we don't, I mean, it's all coming from God, plus we're not promised tomorrow. So then the question is, because I've heard some people, Christians say, should we even plan? Because that, that sort of presupposes that we've got mm -hmm tomorrow, but it makes it very clear in the Bible that, that there's a time to plant, there's a time to harvest and, and those types of things. So what I would say is we just think about your goals and it doesn't mean you can't have a buying a boat as a goal. People say, ah, you're going to take away all the fun stuff. <laughs> it's like, no. <laughs> yeah. So uh, what I would say is you just, just, God just wants to be acknowledged. To, and I think that's one thing you'll see consistently. So whatever goals you put up, it's better to have targets. You can hit targets better if you actually put them up. And I think you put your goals up as a family. You prioritize them. And I think that's the first step. Then, you, then we can worry about how the math works out. And the, the traditional ones are going to be education as the intermediate term goals based on where your kids are at. And then obviously longer term goals are going to be retirement. And, and then, but then there's other things along the way. So I think that's important to just say, hey, God, what do you think of this one? Hey, God, what do you think of that one? And I think what we need mm -hmm. to recognize is that he's actually listening and he'll actually communicate with you and maybe help you in your perspective of, you know, what does retirement look like? Not in general, because retirement can mean a whole lot of different things. I know we've talked about your dad earlier and... Uh -huh. You know, maybe uh, your mom's going to be happy because he'll be even busier now doing coaching, you know, <laughs> not, not hanging around the house so much, but, uh, <laughs> you know, but he could be busier. Now, the financial part of it is going to be different, but uh, those are examples of, of just acknowledging God yeah. to the things we post up as goals. No, that's great. I mean, um, when you, when you talk through that process of, you know, praying about it and talking to God about it, you know, maybe from your own personal life, uh, you mentioned, you know, Hey, God will respond to you. Um, you know, can you think back on, you know, scenarios where you set goals that were, you know, that, that you felt like God made it very clear to you that it was something that you should pursue or on the flip side, something that maybe, you know, God spoke to you and said, Hey, drop that, you know, move away from that. Is there, did you get any, have you had any yeah. examples that you can, can think of? 
Yeah, I'll give you I'll give you a couple that on both sides of the fence there. So one example was, you know, when I was at San Francisco, I had just played a, a year there and I was had a pretty successful year as a backup receiver and special teamer and and you know, uh Mike Holmgren gets the job, the head coach job at Green Bay. And, you know, and now I'm married, I've got, you know, uh one child, you know, on the way. And uh we're talking about, okay, we can start really saving some money now because I'm starting to, you know, I've been playing a season and whatnot. So when I get an opportunity to go, uh, you know, talk to, you know, talk, you know, get, get an offer from Green Bay, I kind of go through that process because it was just very logical. So fast forward a few months and I'm standing there in the middle of Lambeau Field with my signing bonus check and saying to myself, <laughs> wow, that's more money than I've seen you know, in one, at one time ever. And then I'm just about to ready to pat myself on the back and say, boy, aren't you good? And then I wrote, then what hit me, <laughs> what hit me was, man, you didn't pray one bit about this. And the reason is meaning should I have gone? So for what it's worth, God, God likes to put an exclamation point. So I got that. I understood that. Right. And I'm sitting there saying, sorry, guys. So all I said is, sorry, God, I didn't even bring you into the process because it just seemed to make so much sense to go from being a backup to going to being a starter. But starter, so, yeah. so if there's any question, if I should have prayed, guess who won the Super Bowl that year? The 49ers did. So <laughs> I've got nine, vac- I got nine vacancies on my, on my other, you know, fingers that, could have been, you know, occupied by a Super Bowl ring if I would have just stayed put that year. So <laughs> and then the other and then the other side of that where I did bring God into the equation is and it started out of fear of being, you know, cut and seeing the revolving door of people coming and going in football. Uh so I said, God, I gotta I was more paranoid, which is why I was trying to find a second career situation. And then I finally, I gave that to God and I said, God, you know, I don't want to live in fear, but, you know, if there's something that makes sense for me to, to start preparing for an off season, just to be practical, you know, bring it, bring it my way. And, and he brought, he worked, orchestrated it for me to get an internship that was, that just was a really neat situation in Green Bay to learn this business. So wow. bringing him into the equation, he did it in a way that, and it worked for my schedule. So I'm sitting there going into the the, the financial, the, the firms, uh, Shearson Lehman Brothers on my days off on Tuesdays, sitting in a, you know, in a little cubicle, not a locker room and learning this business and calling people on the phone. And my name's Sanjay Beach. So I'm in Green Bay, Wisconsin, calling people saying, hey, <laughs> you know what we can do at Shearson Lehman Brothers. And they're like, wait a minute, don't you play for the Packers? And I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna be at the game. But you know, can we talk to you about your 401k and blah blah blah? <laughs> it's Tuesday. My play on exactly. Sunday. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we don't play till Sunday. So, but yeah, so that was oh, God man. has a way, you know, of just sort of working out things if you let just let him in the process. Yeah. Oh, that's good. I mean, that's, thanks for those stories. That's, that's awesome. All right. So you set our goals and then, you know, that second pillar you had was on spending everybody's favorite topic, right? Uh, yeah. Budgets and spending, but um, how, uh, how can maybe we look at this in a positive way, you know, in a faith, faith filled way in terms of spending? Yeah. And I think what I found is, is, is people can be way over the top as far as being 
you know, you know, overly anal. I think it's the main things. Obviously, you've got your fixed expenses. So we've got, you know, your, maybe whether it be a mortgage payment or a rent payment, you've got, you know, a, uh, you, you've got light bills, you've got different things like that. So you put those, you know, where they need to be. And then you bring your income into the equation, uh, whatever that income is. And I think what you really have to do is, is be where you want to be the most anal about it is, is in that recreational part of the equation. And I think the only successful way that I've seen anyone do that, let's say you feel like you end up with just for a round number $500 over and above all your fixed and, you know, um, variable expenses. But now you fill it before you get to, you know, entertainment and you say you have 500 bucks extra, you really do have to pay yourself first. And then all of this comes after you participate in your employer sponsored plan. And that's if you have one available, if you don't have one available, then you do need to have an IRA account, some sort of retirement that, that you're, you know, contributing to, because it's not just an extra nice thing to do because the world's changed since the early eighties with these 401k plans that shifted the burden onto all of us to build a nest egg an investment uh, portfolio or retirement portfolio that we'll be able to draw supplemental uh, dollars from to, to supplement our income in retirement. It's not like our maybe grandparents who might've had a pension plan that they work for a company for 25 years or 30 years, and they're going to get a paycheck for the rest of their life. We, most of us don't have that. So you have to build a war chest in retirement. So the earlier you start, it's an obligation. It's not a, it feels like it's just a choice, but truly it's an obligation because if I see too many people that end up in their fifties and even in their sixties that they lived a pretty decent lifestyle, but now they don't have much of a nest egg and now they don't have much work life left and you can't allow yourself to get in that yeah. situation. So saving yourself. Exactly. So pay yourself first from that, from that, uh, the, the additional dollars that are remaining once you've kind of made those, you know, once you've kind of input those fixed and variable expenses. Yeah, that's, that's good. Um, do you have a, you know, when it comes to you just touching on retirement there for a second, you know, percentage of income, do you have any, any kind of best practices as to if someone's trying to say, Hey, am I putting away enough? You know, as, yeah. as hopefully their income grows over time. Is there a guideline? Uh, typically, if you do the math, the real basic guideline would be the quicker you can get, if you can get to 10% as a, as a savings habit, uh, comp, uh, uh, I know it sounds like a lot, but if you can get to 10%, uh, by the time mm -hmm. you're in your early thirties, meaning that's how much you're going to be saving until you retire from in your, in a pre tax savings, you know, vehicle that, that should do the trick. Uh, and what, and because sometimes a lot of folks, you know, there are more and more companies that are offering 401k plans and even those plans provide a match on average about 3%, meaning you defer about 7%. Um, and remember, when you defer money on a pre-tax basis, if you defer it amounts to, let's say, you know, uh, 500 or 200 bucks in a given month, it's going to feel like you went without $140. So just remember the pre-tax aspect of it when you net it out from taxes. So, so what you do is you don't immediately start at 10%. If you're worried about your cash flow, you, you ideally, if you have a company match, you'd like to at least put that amount in. So you make a hundred percent of your money right away. So if the company is offering a 3% match, 
and you do 3%, well, now you're getting 6% total put in your plan. And no matter what the investments do, you're, you're winning. So do the best you can. And then just take it uh, maybe every six months, see how it feels, bump it up 1% until you get there. Or maybe every year you bump it up an extra percent until you get there. You just watch your, watch your cash flow yeah. and get yourself to that level. That's good advice. I mean, I feel the, you know, the same thing and just speaking personally, I feel like the more you can kind of set it, forget it and automate it and not right. constantly be making those choices, um, the better for sure. Right. It's time. It's really time uh, in the market. It's time in the market, not timing the market. And it's time in versus, you know, thinking you have to put this huge, you know, gob of money in right at one fell swoop. Just, you know, few hundred dollars, you know, uh, a couple hundred dollars uh, a month over a long period of time, 10 plus years adds up to a pretty good amount of money. Right. Well, you, and you touched on the, you know, the next thing a little bit, but, you know, talk, using uh, debt and credit, um, these give us a, you know, your thoughts on, on that piece of it too. Yeah. I think, you know, we just, I just think about it from uh, the standpoint of, I'll give you a, a snapshot of where the world's at right now. So if you think about government bonds, and not to get, I'm not going to get into too much detail, but a 10-year treasury bond, okay, it will pay you 1% right now. That's about, and it's just, and it's actually come up a pretty good amount in the last several months to be at 1%. So you put your money in this bond, you get 1%, right? So that's a guaranteed rate of return. You're going to get that. And that doesn't do too much for anybody. Right. Historically, before 2008, when we had a financial crisis, the average the average 10 year Treasury paid about 10 paid about five, five percent. All right. So if somebody retired and put their money in a 10 year Treasury in 2008, they would get for 10 years, five percent, meaning fifty thousand dollars if they had a million dollars that they put in just using a round number. Now it would take, you know, around six million bucks to kick out that same fifty thousand dollars. So why do I bring that up when we talk about about debt? We flip it around and think about credit card companies. The average interest rate that they're charging is right around seventeen percent. Okay, so if you're borrowing money and you're paying seventeen percent, where can you get that from? If the if fixed income, like a ten-year treasury, is paying one percent. Now you've got to be a pretty good, you know, stock picker to to equate to to that. So the credit card company is they're winning. They're getting 17% in a world where, you know, it's very difficult to get that kind of return. So when we think about uh and you can't even get past it's very difficult to get past it. So you've really got to be careful. And I get it. It's a it, it should if you use it, it should only be a, a very short bridge to get you to uh, something. I, would, I wouldn't even use the credit card unless you know money is coming in to pay it off. Um, and it's literally within a 30-day type of a bridge situation. Because short of that, um, they're winning the game on you. And uh, then I think you just take it each step of the way of there is good debt that you can use. Um, I would say, you know, if you're, you buy a home, at least you've got some, you know, something that's a value there and, and you're building equity. Cause if you look at where home, uh, uh, mortgage rates are at, because interest rates are so low right now, I would tell you 
uh, money's cheap and it can play in your favor if you refinance, um, depending upon where your rate is currently at. So that would be. And from uh, just on, on that on that topic, Sanjay, from, uh, you know, yeah. using debt for your home, you know, just I'm just curious, you know, I've asked this question before, but, you know, how do you view that, you know, on a personal or on advisor level on, um, you know, using home debt, how aggressive should we be in, you know, paying down that home debt if, if that's one of the only, you know, ones we have? Yeah. So I think the discussion is it's a cost of money situation. So I think there's a peace of mind aspect of it. And then there's a cost of money aspect of it because the cost of money is as low as it's ever been. You could make the case that holding on to a little bit more debt on that side, you know, mortgage debt, is is you don't have to be as aggressive about paying it off, right? Assuming you're in a position to do mm -hmm. that. Because I think it would lean more toward the peace of mind part of the equation, um, which is important because the peace of mind part of the equation means you don't have an obligation should a job income change or something along those lines. But, you know, you change the, the game a little bit and go back, you know, 10 years when, you know, mortgage debt, mortgage rates were in the, you know, six, seven, eight percent, yeah, then it's tougher to replicate that interest rate. Whereas now you can find yourself in a uh, mortgage rate in the threes in that ballpark. So so I would say you moving toward debt free uh is important because it um until you because right now credit card debt for sure you gotta get rid of home equity lines, I see a lot of those that that's gonna be a higher level higher expense debt where I think you want to get rid of those as quick as possible because most people are probably paying in the neighborhood of, you know, pushing 5% for the home equity lines. Um, and, that means you're, and that just tells you right there that you're, over, you're extended, meaning you didn't have the money to, to make any, some of these home improvements that you were trying to make, or you're using the money for, for things that probably aren't, most times aren't always overly essential. So um, right. how long you keep that in place is because remember, you're all weighing it on, on the value of your home. And if something changes with the value of your home, we could have an issue. So there, it isn't without its own yeah. risk. Well, that's good advice. Um, no, I appreciate you kind of walking, walking through those and just kind of giving the different ways to approach it and think about it. Um, switching gears a little bit, you know, one of the things you talked about was, um, you know, biblical return on investment, the, um, the five, two, one challenge of obedience. Um, could you give us, uh, give us a little bit of a glimpse as to what that is and kind of why you touched on, on that in your presentation? Yeah. You know, I think, um, you know, it's just essentially, you know, when you think about the parable of the five and the two and the one, I mean, coins, mm -hmm. um, and, you know, just a real quick summary of it, you know, you have the, you know, the, the master, or the ruler, you know, he has uh, three servants, he gives one, uh, five coins, he gives the other, you know, he gives the other two coins, he gives the other one coin, and he says, hey, you know, make something happen. I mean, that's my vernacular. He says, make something happen with this, with these coins, I'm going to go away, I'll be back at an undisclosed amount of time, and I want to see what, what you've done. And to a certain extent, we've all been given you know, different things. We've all started different places and uh, we're all judged based on, you know, the starting line that, you know, God put us at. So I think that's kind of part of the analogy. So he comes back and the one that, you know, had five coins said, hey, you know, I, I took the five and I made five more. So I've got 10. And he hears from the master, well done, good and faithful servant to the one that had two, 
he said, hey, I know uh, how you are. You're someone that, you know, wants us to, to use everything that we have uh, to the fullest. So I took your two, I made two more, and here's your four. And he said, well done, good and faithful servant. And the one who had one said, hey, I know you're kind of a harsh uh, guy and, and you're not real, you know, lenient. So I took your one, I buried it. Here's your one back. We're good. Right. And he said, no, I mean, you wicked, lazy servant, essentially you taken up space and none of us here are here to take up space. And what I mean by that is, is, you know, God's blessed so many of us with whatever he's blessed us with. And he doesn't expect me to do what, uh, what Nick can do. Uh, or what George Dadis can do, but he expects Sanjay to do what Sanjay can do. And am I putting all, am I doing all that I can uh, for the Lord? And I think when it comes to, when it comes to that, you know, parable, you know, and how it, how it uh, equates to your return on investment in your life, I think you can have a conversation with God and say, all right, God, you blessed me with this job maybe with this family, you know, am I giving, am I, am I giving an appropriate amount Am I tithing, am I tithing, am I serving? And it isn't always just dollars and cents with time. So I think we just have to take that mindset because we recognize that that's, that's what the point of that parable is. And when you, when you get into bad spending habits, it can take you, derail you from that recognition that we're here for a purpose Mm -hmm. that's that's very powerful um it's encouraging too and you know to to really make the most of it you know it's i think that's kind of what's core about the the people who are coming to isi retreats or listening to the podcast or just participating in what we're doing is they're they're not trying to just kind of take up space or you know get by they're they're trying to excel and they're trying to you know live life in a way that's pleasing to god and so i think that's i think that's a great thing to touch on so thanks for thanks for sharing that absolutely well as we uh, kind of close the door a little bit on just talking about you know personal finance, and you've you've given us you know a lot to a lot to think about. Switching gears, just more on like the personal side. Some questions as we as we kind of close down. Some some things I ask everybody, um, just for you, Sanjay, like on a personal level, um, you know, think about happiness or joy. For you, what what brings you the most joy? Hmm, that's well, I think what uh, I mean. That's a great question. There's. You know, I'm laughing a little bit because you know <laughs> I don't like to I don't like to give the you know the uh, the cliche kind of Christians, but I think we also I think what gives me the most joy is when you feel like um, you're pleasing you're pleasing God, and it, it for me it can be just um, being obedient in a lot of cases because frankly that goes against the grain so it's pretty easy for me to be like wow you didn't screw that up it's kind of that kind of thing you know so, <laughs> but, but I think, yeah you know seeing you know because god's i i just look at it i kind of have to because i came you know um my parents did the best that they could and um and i know they worked their tail off and i think i've been able to you know ca- recognize their work ethic and apply that into you know, sports and transition that into my, my business life. But, you know, God's for, for his gracious reasons kind of, you know, found me and, um, and allowed me to have a a lifestyle that was 
extremely foreign to what I grew up in right now. So mm-hmm. I drive up to my house, you know, every day and, and it's not, maybe somebody else isn't even batting an eye, but for me, I feel blessed. I just recognize that he's blessed me. And I, I grew up in, I you know, had a broken home, but I see that, uh, you know, my, uh, I've got a uh, marriage is coming up on 32 years and that is, um, that's different than what I grew up in. And so those are things that it's very obvious to me that it wasn't just, it wasn't me. It was a clear um, hand of God. So that gives me joy just that he's, he's nuts about me and I can't figure out why. And I, but I'll take it. (laughs) I love that answer. It's maybe, maybe one of the best answers. Um, Just, honest and straight up as I've heard. I love that. And, you know, you're basically your, you know, your joy is, is his joy, um, which is super cool. Um, all right. So next question, uh, any, any books you're reading, you know, right now that are kind of have an impact or you're finding interesting or ones over time that, you know, you've, you've found to be good ones or ones you've given away as gifts. Any, anything really jump yeah. out to you? Yeah, it's funny. I, I, I've got, I actually just gave my two, uh, kids, they, they just—they're on my my team here at Merrill Lynch. Uh, my oldest boy, my 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 daughter, uh, but you know, oldie but a goodie. Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, uh, and my and I'm reading it, and we're actually gonna we're going through it together. Uh, and I gave my son that's Ohio, at Ohio State this, the book as well, because he just accepted a job. He'll start after he graduates, but just to I thought it'd be a good book, not just for business, but it will be helpful to be you know, efficient and, and be, and, and recognize how important listening to people really is. And, um, to sort mm-hmm. of set them up as a professional and, um, and my business is, is, you know, is about the people that I get to get an opportunity to serve and, you know, shutting up a little bit and listening to really what is concerning them is key to really delivering uh, a quality financial plan. So, it's helping me to reread, mm. you know, this book as well. Yeah, that's a timeless one. That's awesome. Is your is that son joining the team too, or is he, is he going uh, somewhere else? No, he's he's going to be a sure. um, FTI Consulting. He'll be in Chicago, so he'll uh, he'll be heading heading over there and, okay. and give my my wife a reason for us to go there. And we know what happens, uh, you know, when the shopping. <laughs> So, oh, man. Uh, oh, back to me, Miracle back Miracle to me, right? saving. Yeah, back to me, saving some money. There, so. there. <laughs> there you go. Oh, that's awesome, man. Well, congrats on you know having your your son and daughter and another son on his way. You know, of success. That's awesome. Uh, what about uh, for you a life verse? You know, one that you know you have that's kind of been front and center for a while, or you know maybe one that you read recently that really is is, is meaning something to you in your life right now. Yeah, I mean, um, Galatians 5.20 is an encouragement to me, not him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine according to his power at work within us. You know, that hit, that hits me because I I had to, I mean, I even, even when I say it, I still got to re-say it every now and then because, you know, when I look at what he's done, um, you know, what he's done in, in, in my life, it's more than I could have asked or imagined. So, um, you know, I just find myself being really thankful. Hmm. That's good. Yeah. Thanks for sharing. 
well, Sanjay, it's been a, been a pleasure having, you know, you on today and sharing your wisdom with, with us and kind of how we can live a faith filled, you know, financial life and, you know, just, and outside of that, just, you know, being friends with you and getting to know you, you're, you're one of those, you know, one of those guys that I feel fortunate to anytime I get a chance to talk with you or spend time with you. And I look forward to more of those occasions in the, in the coming years. So thank well, you. Thanks. thanks. And back at you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, would you mind closing us down in a word of prayer, Sanjay? Happy to. Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you for, uh, uh, just want to thank for Nick and his obedience and uh, for, for iron sharpening iron. And, and I mean, that's really it. And all the, you know, all the guys that are participating and, and um, it's worth it. And uh, we just know that we need each other. Heavenly Father, we recognize that, you know, uh, we've all sinned and fall short of your glory, but Lord, together as we, you know, work to, help each other get to where you want each of us to be. <clears throat> we can be a blessing in our own particular center of influence. So Lord, I just pray that, that we uh, shake off the, uh, the, uh, the dust of, of the sins that, that we have had and that we, when we screw up, not if we screw up and that we can kind of encourage each other, one another so that we can, you know, move forward and, and really honor you and, uh, and, uh, and, and, and bring others to you. So Lord, we just thank you for this time. Pray bless every person who's hearing this and their family and, uh, pray for this country. You bless our, our land, Heavenly Father, and, and, uh, ask for peace and, uh, that we would all look to you and Holy Spirit, you'd move mightily, uh, to encourage each of us in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Uh, it was a great conversation with Sanjay, as I knew it would be. He's just one of those guys who kind of leaves you feeling just so filled up. And I feel very encouraged after talking to him, uh, especially, you know, from a personal level, thinking about 2021 and setting some goals on a personal level. Some things I took away from our conversation today that I thought were really helpful, um, you know, first and foremost was, you know, his time in the uh, NFL. He was he knew that it was going to come to an end. So he was thinking about it and watching Steve Young and uh, just thinking about that next step and, and working hard, not just not just resting on what he was doing, uh, being a starter for the Green Bay Packers, but working on Tuesdays uh, and learning the business that he was going to get into. So he was preparing for that next step, which is amazing. And I love that he's doing that. And I think it's a great example for all of us to not just excel in what we're currently doing, but to think about the future and what skills or re resources or knowledge we need to acquire to kind of grow into that future version of ourselves. So that was one of my first takeaways. And then second was just, you know, all the, the four pillars that he had, setting goals, creating a spending plan, managing debt, saving and investing for your goals, all of those really, um, the thing that I took away from our conversation was how important it is to include God in the process and to not do that on our own. Um, you know, upfront, you know, is this something you want for us and praying about for that clarity, waiting for that conversation with God and, um, you know, having an ongoing conversation, maybe you achieve that goal or you reach that milestone or that, that pillar like, like he did when he had that big signing bonus and just realizing that, you know, maybe you, you did or maybe you didn't include God in the process. And I think that to the degree that we can do more of that, I think we're going to lead, lead that faith-filled financial life that Sanjay talked about. And I love the idea of the uh, the 521, the parable, you know, in the Bible about, you know, what we can do to maximize our our uh, impact, you know, doing doing everything that we can, not sitting on our resources, whether that's our knowledge or experience or our money. How can we do it to maximize 
uh, the things that God has blessed us with. So I love that. And then at the end there, I love how much he um, talked about what brings him joy is just, you know, pleasing God. I mean, just, you know, being thankful, uh, doing things that bring God glory with his family, with his business, uh, with his marriage. Um, so he's just, that's just the kind of guy he is. And I love that that, that brings him joy. And um, just a great guy. So hope you all enjoyed and got something out of the conversation. As we look forward to 2021, uh, we do have um, a lot of things to connect with ISI Life about. Uh, number one is we do have in-person retreats going on. We're doing it in a safe way uh, in Cleveland, in Nashville, and in Columbus as well. There's a lot of that going on. We're doing virtual um, on Saturday mornings from 7.30 to 8.30. We're going to be doing those just as a chance to connect with the other guys, find out who's who's doing what, how they're winning, and have a have a little devotion together, just to kind of keep us sharp throughout the uh, throughout 2021 as we roll along. So all of all of our things can be found at theisilife.com. You can check out the site to see when those retreats are and see what works with your schedule. You check out the virtual ones. Um, all of the podcasts are there, as well as resources for each of the five Fs. The the site's categorized by those. So whatever you're kind of is top of your mind, if you're you're worried about faculty or your family or relationships, um, you can find a plethora of resources, podcasts, um, and ways that maybe can help you on your journey. So thank you very much for, for tuning in to today's show and uh, think big. God bless and stay sharp, everybody.